Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talk to podcaster and also now author Leanne Hughes. This one is a really, really good episode. She distills the myths about self-publishing, things I didn't know. And actually, if you've got any inkling of starting a podcast or writing a book, you're going to love this one. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm sure you're going to. If you do, make sure to let me know on uh, social media at TinQ Interview everywhere you may look, which is your favourite bit. And don't forget to hit subscribe. Even that's easy to say, isn't it? Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. It would mean the world to me, and I'm sure Leanne too, if you share this episode far and wide. There is probably at least one person, if not several, you'll think of when listening who would benefit from also hearing it. Make sure to let them know. One final quick request from me before we get onto the good stuff. If you find this podcast helpful, which I think you might actually, and or entertaining, feel free to return the favour and help me by leaving a review or giving a rating in your podcast provider of choice. Anyway, it's enough of me rambling. Now, onto the podcast. Leanne Hughes, a very, very warm welcome to Tenky Interview. Thank you for joining me today. I guess let's kick off for anyone who's not familiar with who you are, what you do with your, with your 15 second elevator pitch. Well, um, depends on what day it is, but <laughs> what I will say is that um, when it comes to workshops and business in general, I help you design fast, deliver strong without stress. Okay. Sounds, uh, sounds like you practiced that. Well, it's the subtitle of my book and I keep taking it as the uh, opening to my podcast now. It is kind of catchy and I think it applies to a lot of, not just workshops, but a lot of things in general. Yeah, which we can talk about. Okay. So you mentioned your podcast then. So let's talk about that briefly. Why why a podcast? How did it get started? Well, I don't know. Do you know do you listen to Pat Flynn at all? Pat Flynn's Massive um, Income podcast? Do you know what I used to? I used to consume a lot of Pat Flynn's content. And I'm probably going back, I don't know, I feel like ten years ago, if not longer. Yeah. Yeah, he was around then. I think I like I only listened to his podcast, I think it was in two thousand and seventeen. And it was the only right. podcast I listened to for 12 months. And he was going on about podcasting and podcasting and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah I get it. It was actually kind of funny story, my podcast intro. Um, so I, I was more of a podcast consumer. I loved Pat Flynn. Then I listened to Jordan Harbinger. And okay. coincidentally, there was a podcasting conference in Brisbane where I'm from. I was working internally yep. for a big mining company. And Jordan was speaking at this conference. So okay. I bought a ticket. I took day off work, a couple of days off work. And they had this... Uh, competition over the two days and it was if you submit your podcast name and we draw it out of the hat you win this book and I'm like I want to win the book I don't have a podcast <laughs> so I just thought I'm just gonna write a title down and if it if it gets picked I'll start the show anyway of course the the, the story is they put they pull my it was like on a blue post-it note and they pull it out and they're like first time facilitator with Leanne Hughes come up and let us know what your podcast is about and who it's for so in oh, the 30 no. seconds running up to the stage I just made it up. And then three months later, I started the show. So that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you one thing about that? This this is really cool. So I won yeah, the book. Okay, sure. Then I won this photo competition from the uh, event. Anyway, fast forward 12 months later, Pat Flynn is the keynote speaker at, at this podcasting event and I'm the MC. 
And I got to hang out in with Australia. Pat Flynn. Yeah, I got to hang out with Pat Flynn, Jordan Harbinger down the Gold Coast for three nights. So it was pretty awesome. That is very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Pat Flynn, he's, he's kind of like an OG. I, I mean, when I said I was following him for 10 years, I think I was following it long before his podcast. Like, because I think he wrote a book, didn't he? Smart Passive Income. And that was when I think affiliate marketing really sort of kicked off. Yeah. And right. actually, I think that's how I probably came to know him because I was like, oh, you know, I want to sort of get into this affiliate marketing business. But yeah. he's been doing what he's been doing a long, long time. You're right. I think it started with blogging. He had an online course even before that based yeah. on architecture. And um, I think he's doing a lot of Pokemon stuff these days. I sort of dip in and out of what he does. Um, but love his approach actually to marketing and just building audiences. Yeah. Agreed. So you, so you I mean, before you sit, before you had that, <coughs> excuse me. Before you had that 30 seconds where you were clambering up on stage <laughs> to think about what you were going to say, had you thought prior to that, you know, I am going to have a podcast no. at some point? No, not at all. No. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, I'd been in this atmosphere where for two days everyone else around me had podcasts and they were just normal people, right? Because yeah. I thought, oh, you had to be particular. You know how you have in your mind, like, oh, an author is special, podcasters are special, YouTubers. You have this idea in your mind. I was working full time, right? Like it's, right. but what I was interested in was um, at work, I was being sent around the world to deliver workshops and okay. um, I was trying to find podcasts, like content about that and how to get better at it. And I couldn't find anything. There were podcasts about like public speaking. And I thought, oh, this maybe, maybe I can scratch my own itch. And also if I interview people, find out what they do, maybe someone else will find it useful. So I think right. the podcast itself is firstly, it was for, it was very selfish. I just wanted to get better at what I was doing. Okay. So, so what was the actual conference about? Uh, which conference? So the podcasting conference was about podcast. It was all about oh, build- the podcast. It was all about building one. a podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but okay. I was there because I love Jordan Harbinger so much, uh, you know? I see. Okay. Yeah. And then I got obviously drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and, when, and when was this? 2018. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. That's before... I mean, everyone's got podcasts these days and, you know, uh-huh. but, like, but like back then it was still pretty, uh, pretty niche, right? Big time. Yeah. And I remember yeah. even telling a few friends and it was like such a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, you're starting a podcast. Nowadays, if someone tells you, you don't really bat an eyelid, right? Because um, mm. you're right. There's so many, it's quite oversaturated. Back then though, and I built some, I think by the third episode, I was getting like 50 downloads an episode and I was just over the moon with that. And yeah. then... Um, yeah, people started reaching out and then I built a Facebook community around it, uh, ran some online programs off the back of an email list. Do you feel like, do you feel that it was a good thing to be an early adopter? Yeah. Yeah. I do. And I, even now, like I'm wondering, cause I'm, like I brought back my facilitation podcast with the launch of my new book and then I'm, I'm going to contain it, you know, do a limited season run. And then I think, okay, what's next and who do I want to be? And my yeah. first thought was, to be that person, you got to start a podcast on that topic. But I think it's different now. I don't know w- what the media is, but I don't think I could get cut through the same way I did back then. No, I, I agree. I think it's it's tough to launch a podcast now. I've been a I've been a podcast fan for many many years, mm. and I've always wanted to start my own. And then this was this was my <clears throat> my avenue into doing so. But I was chatting to someone about this the other day. Like, the, a there's so many out there. And B, the ones that are out there are, are just are very long. And mine's long. Mine are long. I mean, I, I, I've had over two hour episodes. Mm. But the problem is you're then not competing with just people. You're competing with time as well because 
Okay, so I mean, I listened to a Joe Rogan one yesterday with Ice Cube, which was really, really good. Listen, by the way, and I think it was like it was over two. I think it was like two and a half hours. And it's only because I was doing something yesterday that allowed me to have two and a half hours time where I could listen to it. But I did. Otherwise, you're then competing with people, and you're competing with time. And and like I said earlier, everyone's got a podcast these days, so yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough to have that real. But then I guess with you, mm. you're doing something so niche that actually you don't need the hundreds of thousands of listeners because you just need the ones who are re- the quality rather than the quantity. Yeah, and that's right. And when I did pause the first time facilitator because I had like this shift of direction last year in consulting, I thought oh, I'll start this new show and I called it, it was quite generic, but it was about like purpose, work and live large is what I called it. And yeah. honestly, the, the content was actually better than the other and the production was better <laughs> than the other one. The downloads yeah. weren't there. It just wasn't narrow enough to get no. that traction. Mm. Do you think you need to be narrow to get, I mean, everyone says it, right? Niche down. Do you think that's I hate that, but I think so. Yeah, I do. You do as well? Yeah, yeah. I hate it as well. I, I hate it think too. That, <laughs> I'd like, I mean, like I said, unless you are the early adopter like Joe Rogan, who can talk to anyone about anything that, or you have that massive audience already, I think it's really tough to be yeah. broad. Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, there comes a time where you think, oh, I've found all my favorite podcasts now. This is all I need. Like, and, you know, I've got my run of Jenny Blake, Jordan, uh, Joe Rogan I listen to as well, Tim Ferriss. And you think, how many more can I fit into a week? And these episodes come out two or three times a week from these people. And and they're two plus hours, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. And then, but then, then you get someone like Steve Bartlett that comes along with Diary of a CEO. And suddenly I've got time. But actually, I I watch his YouTube videos versus listen. I actually love watching his shows interesting, yeah okay. and it is interesting because I, I don't watch any other interview show but something about the production the lighting i don't know it just he, he did an episode not long ago where <clears throat> where he talked about the production and oh. and i am paraphrasing a bit here but he he said that when he when he first wanted to do the video he said to the person right go away and tell me what budget you need what can you know what setup you need and he said the guy came back He's like, oh, I need these two cameras. And he's, and he's like, no, 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 no. He goes, dream scenario. What does it look like? If I, if I can find the episode, I'll send it to you. It's quite yeah. interesting. And the guy then comes back and goes, well, if money was no object, we'd have eight cameras. We'd have this swivel thing. We'd have this tracking thing. We'd have <clears throat> all this lighting and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then obviously he said, yeah, let's do it. And it's funny. He's a bit of a love-hate figure over here, Steve Bartlett. But there's no doubting that the, the podcast caliber of guests he gets is just off the oh, charts. These off days. the charts. Yeah. yeah. I just, I can't believe it. And then the interviews and the actual editing of it, like the hooks and his like, but, even his TikTok with the hooks are right at the beginning. And yeah. very, I think I read somewhere he's got a team of 40 people working on it. Yeah. And this is what I mean. So like, and then here I was with my Leanne Hughes work and live large podcast, which is like kind Ooh. of similar stories, but yeah. You know, so that, that's what that's the general versus, yeah. At the same time, it's like, do you want to have a podcast that is so focused and narrow? Like, it comes to a point where with first-time facilitator, what else can I say after 200 episodes about workshops? Like, yeah. <laughs> what else yeah. is there? No, it's true. It's yeah. true. Well, it's funny enough, I, I was quite broad on this one. 10Q interview originally was just chatting to interesting people, mm-hmm. and I had these 10 questions that everyone answered. And I was struggling to get cut through because – you know, I talked to a facilitator one week and then the next week I talked to someone in marketing and then in the next week I talked to someone in um, an entrepreneur and it was like trying to, to train the audience, as it were, to be 
this is who's going to be on because I'm not a Rogan. I haven't got access to like the, the ice cubes and the Russell brands of this world. Mm. Like, you know, it's, it's tough. So then I, I niched into content and content creators, but there's a little bit of me that, it's funny enough, a little bit of me that misses the sort of the, just the general truth. I love the content side of things and I love hearing mm. from people, but there is a bit of me that misses it sometimes. Yeah, I hear you on that. And I think, yeah. I mean, it's like when I built up trust with the audience, then I started bringing on like different people. Like I had an auctioneer on the show, just had interesting people. And I think trying to, you know, draw parallels with their life and running a workshop, right? And I think you can yeah. build up that trust, but you got it like after you've done the reps. Yeah, um, I agree. Mm. Okay. This is depressing because talk- we both love podcasting now. Like, <laughs> I don't want a bloody niche <laughs> again. Well, I mean, you kind of covered it a bit then. So t- talk to me about how you, you said you had 200 odd episodes. Like how, how, what's your ideation process to say, I mean, that's a lot of content, especially on audio. Yeah. Like, how, how, how do you come up with the ideas for each episode? Well, I mean, it's an interview. It's it's it's, it's a bit of both. It's oh, interview okay. plus solo from time to time. And solo, right. I w- I would I'd love to say that I'm the type of person that batches content. Nothing like it. Often with a solo episode, it was because I hadn't had an interview that week, and I'm like, crap, I've got to release an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. But then I'd like so I've I've got a parallel group. So listeners, I'm like I always say at the end of the show, uh, join our community on Facebook called the Flip Chart, and we'll continue the right. conversation. So there's like two thousand people in there. So I'm just seeing what. Again, it's just uh, what Pat looks at is like what questions are being asked. And then I'll grab a question, I'll write a few bullet points and then I'll just hit record. And um, it was funny because I often those were the episodes that people actually loved. And yeah. the preparation was, it was just organic. I just said what I had to say, kept it practical and hit just release. So that's re- it's really interesting you say that about the Facebook group. Yeah. So does that, is that engaged? Have you had that? Big time. About that? Because I don't oh think a gosh. lot of people... And I'm making a mass assumption here. I think a lot of people will record an episode and just fling it out and then not worry about the distribution, the engagement sort of thing after. Yeah. I'm lucky because facilitation is all about co-creation and group work and right. the headache. So, I mean, you've, you, I mean, you would have heard the whole, like, there's, you can, there's different types of problems you can solve with either a supplement or the painkiller. And I think yeah. the first time facilitator is a painkiller. Like people that have no idea have to step up in front of a workshop and run sessions in front of groups and like you know it's nerve-wracking like all the feelings that I felt when I had to do it for the first time I had no idea what the hell I was doing and so in the so the pain problem it solves with the flip chart is that people will post hey I'm running a leadership session in two weeks I want to make it really cool like this is a group and and everyone just shares activities and basically when it kicked off I was in there a lot of the time just like trying to create conversation and now it it runs itself it's really low stress the people are wonderful and generous um they're posting selfies of the book in there now. Like, <laughs> it's a really lovely is it, is community. It an, is it an open group? Can anyone join? Yeah, yeah. Is it, was, so is it, it a private? I'll, yeah, it's called the the flip chart. The flip chart. Okay, I'll link yeah. to that below in case anyone yeah. wants to take a look. I might take a look myself. Sounds interesting. Yeah, but I've seen. I mean, I've been a member of other podcast groups that don't. That the engagement isn't there, and I think it's because. Because your niche. <laughs> it's because of the niche. <laughs> no, but I. But I also think, I mean, my the mission for the group is let like let's stamp out boring workshops around the world. So we have a common enemy, right. and I think that helps having a, having a common enemy like that. Yeah, mm. a lot of people talk about that in marketing about how you grow is having that com- common enemy, right? That people can either rally behind or rally against. But if you don't, you know standing for something, 
Yeah, that's it. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about how you make your podcast. What tools you use, systems yeah. you use, processes you use. Because I think a lot of people cool. probably a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit scared or fearful of, oh, it looks like hard work. So I, I'm, uh, curious, I'm curious how everyone yeah. approaches it. I mean, my process now is different to what it was when I first started. I guess my number one tip would be buy a Mac, get a MacBook. Honestly, oh, got, really? yes. I've had friends that are like, what's the MacBook equivalent of GarageBand? I'm like, I don't know. It's good. Oh, I mean, okay, Descript is out now, which is even better. But I, I mean, yeah. I kicked off with, with GarageBand. I'd record in, uh, in Zoom if it was uh, an interview like this. I didn't use any yeah. fantasy software. I actually bought the Zoom 5N um, digital recorder uh, the, for in yeah. person. I've got two ATR 2100s. Um, they're you know, less than 100 bucks each. Yeah. So that's like the, the equipment. Um, yeah, when I first did it, I was in GarageBand. I actually love editing things, which is terrible. So it took me about 50 episodes to outsource that to someone in Argentina. <laughs> I love editing I, anything, like yeah. videos, that sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, so now it's quite different. I've just engaged a production company in the Philippines and they do everything. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so, but I, a tip is, <laughs> so my episode, my podcast with an interview is I'll do the interview and then I'll record the introduction and post-production, like after, you know. Audio and video or just audio? Just audio. Okay. Yeah. And then, but the problem is often I might have back-to-back meetings, so I don't get around to doing the intro yeah, in the moment. That. And <laughs> if I don't do it like 15 minutes after the episode, it's gone. You forget what you talked about, don't you? Yeah. And then the weight of that. So that's probably my number one tip if you are using uh, outsourcing. But hey, Descript is phenomenal. Do you use Descript? I don't. I've heard it. Do you know what? I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but no, I don't. I use it for what, everything. What do, you, what do you use everything. it for? Everything. So let's just say I'm, I've got, I better do a solo episode soon. I, I've been promising an episode about my book launch. So I'm going to record a solo episode on that. I'll just, I'll record it um, in Descript or even just on GarageBand. It'll create a script. So rather than editing the sound waves, yeah, I can basically one click. I'll say remove filler words, and it will remove every arm and R there. Nice. Then I shift it to speed one point five, and I'll just go okay. through, and then I'll just then I'll just cut out words that I don't like or where I stuffed up. And then I put it back into speed one, and I sound awesome. I sound like I haven't made a mistake. <laughs> does it does it does it work that well? Yes. It's okay. like, oh my gosh, uh, even videos like last year I was doing a, like every two weeks I've been doing like a, creating like a two by two framework and it would take me about 20 minutes to explain it. Then I'd use Descript to cut it down to a suite, like eight minutes and yep. the editing took like 10 minutes. That's video. Video. It edits your video. So, you, so I don't edit the video, I edit the text and it cuts. So you, you oh get God, jump, really? you get jump cuts. Yeah. Would that work? In a situation like this, where I've got my video and your video, yeah, yeah, oh, how really? that works. Yeah, so all I did was in iMovie, I'd combine my iPad screen where I was drawing and my video. So I do a split yep. screen, combine that, export it into Descript, edit it there into YouTube. Oh my days! I might have to have a look at this. <laughs> it's like out of. I mean, Zoom was my favorite tool for maybe three years, but Descript is number one. Like I, I am such a raving evangelist. It's oh. changed my life. Oh really? That that's strong. Yes, I'm not joking. Okay. Like, I've I've said I've had I went when I was in California in February. I was telling everyone about it. I created a Loom video just showing them how good it was. I can send you the Loom video. Actually, I, I created for them. 
Yeah, do so. And I'll, I'll stick. Or if you if you're happy to, I'll stick it in the link in the description. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'm I'm always looking for ways to streamline my process. I I'd love to put out more episodes, but like, I don't think people realise the time. I well, I say people. I didn't realise the time that goes in behind. And I'm not talking about full production either. Just like yeah. kind of basic. It's just timely. Oh, it is like just setting like the scheduling, who to yeah. who to talk to, putting it in, and then finding out more about that. Yeah, it is. And then yeah. hey, the episodes out, like the whole end to end process, and then posting uh, it on social media. <sighs> Why do we? <laughs> we are talking ourselves out of podcast now. We, even though I think we both we both I love it. Like it's my favorite. I mean, it changed everything for me. So I love podcasting. I do love it. Leanne, I really do. I just wish I had the team like Stephen Bartlett does behind me just to do it. I, I like this bit. I like chatting to people and I like um, hearing what they've got to say and, and discussing things. It's all the other stuff I find a bit... Ugh. But you. he started, you know, he started somewhere and I guess he's kind of like the... He's the blueprint, right? He's the what you've got to try and... He started... I mean, do you know, did you follow him from the beginning when he was in his cupboard under the stairs literally chatting about what was in his diary no like that's how he started he, i didn't um, know that yeah he was basically documenting what was in his diary each week and the learnings he had like oh you know meeting with x and blah blah, blah and and i followed him i mean i i listened from the very first one and that's what he used to do it was kind of interesting because i was on that entrepreneurial journey as well and he was at social chain and you know he was sort of discussing what he was doing it's like it's almost like building public yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of evolved into the behemoth that it is today. Oh, that's so encouraging. Yeah. There's an interesting. Oh, sorry. No, no, go on. Go on. I was, I was, something I always question like is when do you continue versus when do you turn left? I don't like, know. how do you know what I mean? Like, because there's certain, I know, I can see other people, other creators, right? And they're doing and they're consistent and it's awesome, but they're not getting the traction. And I just think, when how do you See, know that's the million dollar question yeah. right everyone says you know you just got to keep going and funnily enough so here's a bit of a, a, a history lesson for you thank you interview started in 2012 originally it's like a text form interview i'd ask you oh. and i gave up basically i gave up after seven or eight interviews and i said this in a previous episode i wonder where i would be now had i not so when I started this again, like last week was a, the year anniversary since I started it. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm just going to keep going. I don't care about the numbers. I, I know that I will get better. The guests will get, I'll get more guests. I, the whole thing. But if this was my sole, um, like money driver or then I don't know, it'd be tough for me. I'm in a fortunate position where I don't have to, you know, it doesn't make any money, but then it yeah. doesn't really cost me, you know, cost me fractions every month. So yes, I don't know is the honest answer to that question. Yeah. I don't know either. I guess it depends what you, it depends why you're doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. And so back, back to the nation, like back to my reason for running the show, you asked me that it was very self-absorbed. Like I want to get better at facilitation. And right. so Eve, I didn't actually care about who downloaded it or the numbers or anything like that. Yeah. It was actually just, I was winning just by having conversations. Yeah. I have a question about when you started and because I find that setting up a podcast is actually, even today is quite a cumbersome process. 
But I can imagine in 2017, it was like horrendous. <laughs> well, we didn't have Canva. So I used, you know, you had alternatives. I, I had um, I had a MacBook, what? which was what? like the key. Pat Flynn, going back to him, he actually had a free how to start a podcast. So I had, you know, one screen open with that split screen. And I just was just following the instructions and taught myself. I mean, I built my first website when I was 12 years old. I learned HTML. Like I've, I will figure it out. So tech doesn't really, um, tech doesn't scare but me at all. But even then, right, it was hosting it. Like even now hosting it, you've got so many different hosts. Yeah. And it's, it's different to, I mean, I can build a website, but that seems easy or set the original setup for that seems easier than setting up a podcast and i can and, yeah. and i imagine now it is at its most simplest um state yeah so six years ago like submitting to apple submitting to Spotify, that's right yeah to, like, yeah oh yeah God, you're right must have, been, must have been really a different you know rss feeds were still like the thing back exactly then yeah, now, yeah but... you're you're absolutely right yeah I, um I, yeah, Libsyn, I, I've switched out from Libsyn. I host in Buzzsprout now. But, yeah, that Lib, Libsyn was it. I mean, the stats were just, the, the website was, like, built in the, it looked like 1990s. <laughs> there was no drag and drop. It was, like, you had to click here, find the file. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, like, I, 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 I don't know. It wasn't, I, I just followed the instructions. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, right. But you're right, it's so much easier now, like, and the, the barrier to entry is obviously very low. Back then, you're right. Yep. You, you submit to Apple, you're like, when's this going to be uploaded? And <laughs> yeah. is it even working? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about goals. I want to talk about your book at some point. So I don't know if this is going to be the best time to do so. Mm-hmm. So when when you started your podcast, we kind of talked about it a minute ago, I guess. But what are your goals with your podcast? Uh, they're different now than what they were back then. So, yeah, I mean, I okay. explained what they were back then. I think now it's about audience growth. It's about actually having a platform that will attract. I've had some pretty amazing people. So when I mapped out the podcast originally, um, mm. I don't know if you've done like the Dream 100 list. Um, no, officially no. But I have a friend of mine who's a massive um, believer or advocate, I guess, of the Dream 100 so oh, what's, the, what's the chap's name the american uh oh he always works with tony robbins doesn't he what's his name uh i'll google it yeah go on yeah, anyway, google uh, yeah have a look um i i, I Brun- brunson that's it something brunson oh russell brunson the funnels brunson, guy yeah <coughs> yeah <clears throat> i think the dream 100 i think is his his concept oh okay uh, yeah i don't know where i heard about it from but i'm like oh, i'll just put 50 names in like you know my favorite authors and my favorite Ted talker and all that. And within like uh, before episode 15, I had like one of the, like a, a Ted talker, Julian Mather. I was like, Julian, uh, Julian treasure. Julian Mather's a friend of mine. I caught up with the other week. Julian treasure wrote my yeah favorite Ted speech. So he was on very early on. Um, then one of my I, favorite. I think we have to pull at that thread a little bit. How, so you had this list with yeah. that guy on. Yeah. How did you go from being on the list to being on the podcast? Well, I just, he, um, I think his TED talk at the time had like 21 million views. So I said, just send him an email. I was like, I said, I said, oh, you I said, congratulations. You know, you, your video has been watched 21 million times. I'm sure 20 million have been my, like my hits. Cause I love your speech so much. I played all the time and he loved it. And then he just booked in. <laughs> so that, but that, it was different landscape like back then. Right. Yeah. I don't think he was being invited on shows as frequently. He was on Steve Bartlett's show. Um, like last year oh was he okay yeah 
and I got him like in 2018. I've had him on Did twice. You know? Yeah. That'd be really that's interesting. Did you notice a like a a jump in subscribers or downloads with having someone like that on? No. Okay. Um, where I had it on, we were in like the micro communities around workshops. So. And this is where you get niche. This is where the nichiness is good. Like there's a tool yeah. in America. It's called the, the Strengths Finder. It's, it's it's like a, an assessment people do with their teams. <clears throat> okay. And I had a guy on there. He's a strengths coach, and I put it into that community. So there's like they're really passionate about this tool, and they have to run workshops about the tool. Right. So yeah, that then it just went off. That then um, it was more about uh, what again one of my favorite authors, Michael Bungay Stenya. He wrote the book The Coaching Habit. Again, fa- famous in my niche. Um, he was actually in Brisbane. He, he flew to Brisbane to do a speech. It was a couple of thousand dollars to go to this leadership summit. I was right. in Singapore at the time. I flew overnight back to Brisbane the day of, and I said, oh, I won't be able to make the conference. Plus I didn't want to spend that much money on a ticket. I said, would you like to be on an interview? And so I got to meet him one-on-one for free. Anyway, we come mates. He's endorsed my book now. Having him on the show spiked it as well. And we had, I got a video guy in and we made sure it was filmed. Not like Diary of a CEO, but it, it looks, it looked good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Anyone, anyone, anyone else exciting? I mean, I met my business coach through Alan Weiss. He wrote the book Million Dollar Consulting. And then I ended up just working with him because his interview actually, uh, it just, yeah, blew up. It was super, <laughs> um, had a lot of hits, was very provocative. He said a few things that rattled some people, which was good. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he really rattled, he he rattled me. He rattled me. He? Yeah, but you can't tell. I watched the video and... Uh, I know, I remember what I was thinking in that interview because he called, uh, so HR people typically listen to my podcast because it's about learning and development and he called HR people, he was like, they're hardly relevant. They're like a, they're a vestigial organ. You don't even need them. Like (laughs) very, very New York, right? And you, I, when he when he said that, were you shaking? I, re- I, I yes. physically, I, I thought I physically reeled back, but the video doesn't show that. I, I look pretty okay. composed, but I remember going, just trying to breathe and go, what the hell? But it was freaking awesome, and it was yeah. a wake up call for for me and for the audience. It was good. Nothing like a bit of controversy to to spark engagement, right? Yeah, that's right. That's his brand. Yeah. Um. When? How much? I feel like this next question is more about, I don't know if it's as relevant in podcasting as it is in, in kind of like other content niches, but do you, do you analyze the performance of episodes? See what's worked, what hasn't worked? Uh, only when I only look for like outliers, maybe look for patterns. So, right. I mean, one of the other guests I didn't even mention, but he was the most downloaded show, Mark Bowden. He's like a world leading body language expert. Like the show spiked my YouTube, the videos spiked. So, I mean, he's got a very successful YouTube channel as well. So that transferred to my platform too. Okay. Um, I do, I'm, I'm looking more for qualitative responses. So like uh, every week, right, the episode would go out and post about it in the Facebook group. And I'd see okay. what kind of responses episodes would get. And that would give me some like clue in terms of, am I on the right track here or not? Okay. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, I'm not a data person. I, I, no. I'm definitely more an energetic type of person. Not to say that I'm woo-woo-y, but I, you know, just go with what I feel. I go with guests that I think would resonate, that I like to talk to, that I yeah can learn from. Yeah. Mm. What okay, about you? Do you, how do you go with the numbers? I don't care at the moment. I just, yeah. I don't, I'm a bit like you. Like I, I, I just want to speak to people that I find interesting. And my, my 
theory behind that is if I find them interesting, then I think other people will. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, if they don't, then so what? I've had a good chat. Like, like for me, what's the worst case scenario, right? You and I will chat for an hour. And this, I don't know, I'm totally aware this is probably different from the guest's perspective. But from my perspective, the very worst case scenario is you and I chat for an hour. I edit it, upload it, and it gets zero downloads. Now, A, I know that's not going to happen, but B, even if it does happen, I've had a chat with someone interesting for an hour and I've learned stuff and connected. And, and I always used to say that like, if you and I met at a networking event or a conference, you'd have this sort of two-minute, oh, hi, I'm Chris. You go, oh, hi, I'm Leanne. And, oh, you know, I'm a facilitator. And I'd be like, oh, I'm a... And then we'd go our separate ways and then, you know, you'd just, you know, you might get a LinkedIn connection or something. Yeah. And then, but, you, but you'd never really have that deep, meaningful engagement. Whereas I feel like in this podcast environment, that's what you do get. And so, yeah, worst case scenario, nothing happens. But I just know that's not going to, it's not really the case. So Yeah, I'm with you. And there's, I've also had conversations where I'm like, damn it, I wish I recorded that. That would have been a good podcast. Do you get that as well? Yeah. Where all the time, like I'll have a coffee or someone will say something and go, I, we should have been recording this. <laughs> I, I, I often get that with our mutual friend, actually. I will oh, have the, like a, yeah. With Yuri, yeah, yeah. I will have like I don't know, um, FaceTimes or whatever, and it's just like, oh, that would have, that would be good content. I don't know though. I mean, I guess the the, the counter to that is, would you, if I, it was being recorded, would you be having the same? Would you say the same thing? No, no. And it's actually quite funny. Let's talk about Yuri for a second in content. So, I mean, you must be, you must video, uh, so like Yuri and I voice note and send each other videos, right? Yeah. And so we had this, um, I had a Zoom call one day a couple years ago and someone was like five minutes late to the call and it was only a 30 minute call and I'm like, I, I got really angry. So I voice noted Yuri like ranting about this guy that was late. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe six months after that, I was like, this video was on my phone. I was like, oh, that's actually quite funny. I might upload it as a TikTok. And this TikTok, it had over like 200,000 views and people were just going nuts. Like my only viral <laughs> thing on TikTok. And it wasn't even intentional. It was because I was just being myself. Like I wasn't hamming it yeah. up. I was like just talking to Yuri as if, and I th I think you're right. It's like, oh, like the power of that. Because I yeah. think even like we've got this record button on now. So it's like, would I be talking to you the same way without? I, I think so, but I don't know. Maybe I am hamming it up a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I don't know. Maybe. I, I think it gets to a point where you probably, I mean, we're like, what, half an hour into this conversation now. I think to ham it up for that long, yeah. constantly, it's probably tough. And you, you, I don't think you are. I think you probably. No, I don't think I am. This is, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just not swearing or like, <laughs> we're not in a big rant right now. And I rarely do get or go on rants, but like, I kind of joke in my book. It's so weird. Like punctuality is like one of my, Cool. It's, it's so boring, but I just love punctuality. So yeah, I, I uh, went to town that day. It's just, I, do you know what? It's funny. Like I was, I was chatting to my wife about this literally at the weekend. I love my girls dearly. I've got two young daughters, but I hate the impact they've had. Cause I'm like you, I, I think you've got to be on time it's, or you've got a very good reason or whatever. It's just, it's just common decency. But when you have kids, oh my God, it just throws that like yeah. out the window. Oh. really i saw a tweet yesterday that said something like oh i love having uh mums who are toddlers like me because you know you send a message like oh, i'm gonna be half hour late because of whatever reason and they're like, oh yeah me too me too me too so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh 
it's good that we can share that comment. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's tell, it's kind of dull, but I tell you what's funny is you you said that about TikTok. I've heard several stories from people recently where they put a TikTok up that's not been uh, like really thought out or produced. It's been just a kind of a real life thing, and mm. said very similar results where it's like gone pretty viral. Yeah, I think there's something about that, and I think. Um, like we can uh, we can tell whether it's in the moment or whether it's been like the fifth take, right? Yeah. You know, I, I do think we can. I don't know what it is, but we can tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about let's, let's talk about your book because I don't sure. I don't want to not mention your book and then sort of get to the end of our hour and then be like oh talk about. It. Um. So as I mentioned to you before we came on, our mutual friend told me about your book and I was like, oh great, let's chat about it. Cool. So. I guess, firstly, what is it? Secondly, why? Thirdly, how do you go from that idea to going, right, I'm going to have a book? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's called the two-hour workshop blueprint. I've got a copy right here. Nice. Um, actually. And is it available to buy? Last As of last week. So it's been, um, it launched last week accidentally on Amazon. It was meant to go out Thursday, went out Wednesday. But okay. to get into gear and like get the algorithm moving with sales, it went. It hit number one um, across various charts in the US and Australia. Oh, did it? Okay, I'm gonna buy it. Where? Oh, thank you. Um, to our workshop blueprint. So it's all about. I pretty much you got to write. I, I have to write for myself to keep motivated. Okay. Um, something I was doing when I was running workshops was I was spending way too much planning them, like over just over planning and overthinking things. Right. Um, but last year I had to do like run a lot of different training sessions and, and workshops. So I, I had to figure out a framework to get that done quickly. So that's why I wrote the book is okay. like just sharing that. Um, plus, you know, back to what I said earlier, like I was a first time facilitator. There were no just pick up resources where you could be like follow a formula and you could had a workshop. I was just creating yeah. from scratch. So it's really just a practical guide. The reason I created it was actually I was inspired by a book called The Two Hour Cocktail Party by Nick Gray. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that book. No. Oh, it's brilliant. So he just talks about, it's all about how adults can make friends and you know bring people together. And uh, yeah. I, I just found him on Twitter. I've got him on, I had him on my podcast. Uh, so I ran it to our cocktail party, but I think that was great. But the most exciting thing about that process was his book was so amazing. Like it was a joyful book. It was light. It was funny. It had illustrations. It had checklists. It had questions. Yeah. And I think before reading that book, I thought, a book had to be like heavy nonfiction and that, that idea kind of, it didn't excite me. I saw this book and I was yeah. like, I could write a book like this for workshops. So anyway, I, I made, made sure I contacted Nick Gray and just told, gave him the heads up that I was doing it. But um, that's why I wrote it. And it's like, I guess it was released last week. It, I'm very, I'm super surprised by how much it's resonating with people that aren't in my audience. So yeah. Every day, these people I don't even know are buying it, emailing me. Uh, it's oh, pretty be, amazing. That must be cool. Yes. It's like, <clears throat> I just know like the front cover and the tagline, I think has just, it's so dialed in. Um, it's a very, it's a very good looking book. Like I could see myself if I was walking through the bookshop and I saw it, it would catch my eye. Definitely. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, the process of this, right. So I've wanted to be an author for forever, but like I said, I just okay. thought I don't want to write a, a boring nonfiction book. I was speaking at a conference in february on the 23rd of february in california and i thought okay i'm not going over there without a book so first of january i started writing and in 52 days i had version one there was a company in california they're called 48 hour books 
I sent the manuscript over to them, got on the plane, got into Northern California, and the books were in the lobby. And I... No way. Yeah. That's how fine I cut it. Then So I wanted to validate it, right? So at this conference of talent development professionals, the book went, everyone was grabbing many? it. How many books? I had 80 copies printed. And I, I only put like, so I put like 20 out at a time and they were just taken. So I put yep. another 20 out. Um, and then I had this lady, she ran up to me and she's like, oh my gosh, I've got to run a two hour workshop in two weeks. I'm like, perfect, <laughs> perfect. This is it. <laughs> and so, And people freaking loved it. Um, and so that, then I, anyway, it was all about co-creation. So I had 25 beta readers, went through version one, provided feedback the whole way through. And I was looking for patterns on, you know, when that drop off, uh, yep. what phrases they liked, what phrases they hated. And then it took me about three or four months to edit, get it formatted properly um, for launch last week. Is it, is yeah. it self-published? Yes. That's how I had the speed. To, you can't, you don't have that speed in the publishing world. I mean, I, tell me if you don't want to talk about this stuff, but I'm really kind of curious about how like, the finances behind that. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to share finances. Because like it. I guess a lot of people are probably in the same boat and would love to write a book. Mm. And again, I'm making a massive assumption, but I, I assume a lot of people would be like, oh, unless I've got a book agent or no. uh, an editor, like trying to get down that traditional way of doing it is very challenging. And I, I've, I've yeah. heard of self-publishing. I know it's a thing. But in my mind, I've, like, it's obviously the, the then you've got the money aspect of it, which probably becomes an issue for people. Yeah, I mean, I guess my I paid probably the Toyota Corolla version of, like in terms of the money I invested. Like you could do it, okay. honestly, you could do it with a $200 car. The way that... Because you, cause you've got paperbacks as well, right? So a lot of people, you, you can do like... Um, kindle versions of stuff yeah incredibly easy but but amazon so okay my book went launch live on wednesday last week someone yeah. had it in london on friday someone in italy had it on friday it's print on demand oh is it yes so i, I actually paid 200 so i i paid two thousand dollars because i've got 200 copies i wanted to give away locally but yeah. it's over it's all around the world and people are just get it's getting printed by amazon the quality is pretty great like this is amazon i, I bought one from amazon to check so, oh, so if I buy, so if I click this literally, button now, yes, that is going to be. Um, it will go to the warehouse, and it will get printed off. That's incredible! I didn't know you could do that. So there's no upfront, really. So if you want to do it cheaply, but I invested. So obviously, like you talk about the cover art, I paid an illustrator um, a few grand, right, for for illustrations right. and covers. Um, but she's good. She's a friend of mine. She's local. Like I didn't go offshore. Uh, editor is in Europe. He's in Spain. I think he was like 35 euros per thousand words okay um so it's currently showing as 15.99 on my amazon that i'm looking at right now euro a pounds pounds okay yep so how much will you see of that uh, versus what amazon see of that yep so they deduct the print cost which i think is about four or five pounds and then they take and then uh, i get 60 percent of the royalties oh wow that's okay so honestly, like you could write a book in 20 days, PDF, get it formatted. I had a formatter in um, Turkey and then I had to get it reformatted by someone in Pakistan just through Fiverr. I can reckon, I mean, I've got, I'm going to do a whole thing about this. I'm running a webinar. You on, should do, you should do like, like on how to a write a book in 52 or, days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm running a webinar on it and I've got all my, I've kept all my stats and things like that. Um, so it really isn't, you, this is what I mean. Like I paid like a, 
okay price. You could go even more. Yeah. But I invested. But literally, in... you have to send Amazon the PDF, and then they do the rest. Yes. That wow, is I it. I never knew that. And and what I didn't know this is annoyed this annoyed me because I actually paid a local printer because I thought Amazon author copies would take like two weeks to get to me, and I wanted to get the book out quickly to friends yeah. and influencers. But um, <laughs> but I ordered the book, and like in two days it was here. I'm like, damn it! So you can order author copies that are at cost price. You just pay for shipping. That is mad. So I would have, I mean, I would have, if I'd known what I know now. Well, I'm, I'm tempted to buy it. Oh, I will buy it. But I just want to buy it now just to see, knowing that it's just coming from. Well, on the back it says printed in whatever by Amazon. So you'll see it. Hey, okay. I will it's buy incredible. That. Hey. That, like, is really, that, that, I know. that removes the barrier to entry to writing a book. Massively. Because I, I always I always thought about it and I I mean I don't know what I would write, but I always thought, oh, do I want to write one of these ones that's just a PDF that goes onto a Kindle and it's like it's not a, it's not a real book, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna have that on my bookshelf that when people come around I go, Oh, I wrote that. No, you can. And it, and I I always thought, oh, you know, the it'd be too prohibitive cost wise to do it any other way, but hmm. And so I noticed, um, actually, so I messaged Yuri because Yuri sent me an endorsement and it's on my website, but I didn't have time to get it in the book. But okay. now I can. So I'm just going to get the formatter to add it because there's one typo oh, so in you it. Can just, so you can and I just re-upload it. it. Oh, wow. So if you buy the version today, you'll get different to maybe next week's version. Oh, well, tell me, tell me when you've got Yuri's endorsement in it and then, then I'll buy it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless you're not going to put it in. No, no, I, I will. It's just like... I've, like that was like low priority, but I'll move it up the priority list. No, 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 no. Don't, no, don't, don't prioritize. <laughs> just as and when you get it done, just drop me a message. And we'll I'll do. We'll do. Okay. Oh, that's really interesting. Really interesting. Because I think like my, my goal from this podcast is I want people to take away information and, and learn things and be inspired and whatever. And like I said earlier, right. If no one listens to it, fine. I just learned something massively, but I think people will take, I think that's really important for people to know that. I think so. And do you, and you're right. Cause not many people know it. So what I'm finding the most interesting thing is like, everyone's like, Oh, you know, you need to, people need to be taken seriously. You have to have a book. I'm like, I've got a podcast. I do everything. I do emails. Like what, why do I need a book? Like I was kind of, I didn't yeah. understand. Anyway, in, in the last couple of weeks, even when I was in California, the second you have a book, you have no idea the status, the, the status. Is that right? Oh, I was at a chamber of commerce event last night. And, you know, and then I gave everyone a copy of my book and everyone was like, well, I, get, I guess over. you get introduced, I get you, you go from being introduced as facilitator, Leanne to Hughes, author. to author, Leanne Hughes. I had a guy in Hong Kong. I just had like, so the book's out for a, bit, a week. This, this head of uh, some construction company in Hong Kong is like, we got on a call. I have no idea why we're on this call. And he's like, uh, can you tell me more about this two hour workshop? Like, does it take two hours to teach us how to run a two hour workshop? <laughs> And so I, I've got this, like, I feel like we're going to be working together, maybe doing other work, right. not just workshops, but it's bizarre. Funny, it? It's so bizarre. Like the status symbol. It's like, have, yeah. have you done, have you done anything yet commercially where you've seen a bump in your rates or conversions or something as a result of being an author? As a not Well, author? it's only been a week, but um, I did pre-sell. So in February I had a client, they asked just a quote on some speaking. And I was like, I, I was a bit cheeky. And I option three, my proposal was plus you get 50 books. 
Right. And they took option three and I'm like, crap, I better have this book ready. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I put the 50 aside now. So, I mean, that bumped it up. But it also anchors, right? Anchors in yeah. um, the amount. I mean, this is it, right? Social media, like I'm getting like ton of followers a ton of people emailing i feel i feel like there's opportunity now maybe to create a program off the back of it like a virtual program but i'm yeah. just keeping just being aware of what's going on not rushing into anything yet have you got any more plans for another book yeah i would love to write another book i mean i just told you how easy it is yeah. like but i'm even thinking like a narrower book on a particular industry like um like in construction and mining they've got something called a pre-start meeting at the beginning of a shift okay and i've done training on that before i could write a book on that and get it out yeah. in, in 30 days. But I think I've really got to focus on uh, just marketing this and playing the long game. But yeah, I, I think yeah. in the back of my mind, I definitely want to write more. I mean, I'm just curious with AI and the disruption of, of will books even be relevant in three or four years? Like, I think now's the time to run hard with books because I think mm. they might be obsolete or everyone will be doing it very soon. Yeah. Like podcasting, like starting a podcast. Once yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's just barrier to entry, isn't it, right? As soon as that barrier to entry comes down, then and the floodgates open and people mm. pour in. Well, um, so there's no upfront cost with Amazon? None. Wow. If you have a PDF loader, if you can go into Canva, I mean, it's just five. I, I would pay someone to format, but you can just do it in Word and yeah. upload as a PDF and follow the rules. Like This is that. There's, <laughs> I, you know, actually, I think it might be Nuri sent it to me a little while ago. There's um, how I created a Amazon bestseller. With the blank uh, book, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and and that's so. There's another, that's a whole other strategy, right? So I was very clever, not clever, but I'd had a friend in America, and he invited me to be on his um, community call. I said, "Oh, can we do it during launch week?" So yeah. I was on this call with people that, um, like, they're, they're they're absolutely the market for this book. Uh, after that webinar, I checked Amazon, and all you have to do is get spikes, right? And they update every thirty minutes. So I hit bestseller like the second day of the book release. Screen, screen grab that Screen one. grab it, screen grab it. Screen grab it and shout about it. Screen, screen and shout. Yeah. They're, not, they're not stupid, Amazon, are they? They know how to sort of uh, get people to generate a yeah. bit of buzz. Yeah. And I'm only selling it on Amazon right now. Um, and then I'll open, like once I, I mean, I've got the, once I've got reviews, then I'll open up other platforms to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And see, so, do you know what? You've just proved to me in that last 10 minutes why i love podcasting because the information you share there I, you wouldn't have got as a casual meeting at a networking event or no. whatever so that's right okay i'm going to shift the gears now a bit because i'm conscious of time what's the best way to stand out from the crowd when creating and that can be either a podcast or a book i guess uh go against the grain and say uh defend an alternative view Okay. Is that as depressing as an answer as finding a niche in a podcast? <laughs> no, I think it's like like I talked about before Alan Weiss when he was on my podcast and he was saying all these things that were just counterintuitive and I never even thought about before. So he actually said, Don't don't niche down, be a generalist. Yeah. Like and, and he can defend any point. And I think if you you're talking about standing out, is actually to stand out you have to say something different and yeah. and defend it and you know, make sure that you've you, you can own that. Um, but if you're saying everything else and being vanilla, that you won't stand out. No. Okay. Do you know? I, yeah, I do like that. It's it's one of those things I need to do that more. I don't. I don't. I'm a little bit. I actually did a LinkedIn post about it. Funny enough, mm. not long ago. It's kind of one of my 
best post because it was saying exactly that. It's kind of tough to do sometimes. It's really hard to do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I worked for, um, I won't go into this, but one of my jobs when I was 25 was working for the most like controversial company in Australia. We had lawsuits every week. <laughs> it was a camper van company. We put crazy slogans that, that were really pissing people off in the back of vans. Right. Um, but we, we spent no money in marketing. Our website crashed because we had just word of mouth. We were on the news. It well, fun, do you know, you, we talked about Joe Rogan and I said to you about, I listened to the Ice Cube mm. episode yesterday and he was talking about when NWA, I don't know if you're an Ice Cube fan or an NWA fan, but so when, when he said when NWA started, they had um, some pretty controversial tracks, one about the police, which is quite famous, obviously. Um and he said that there was two things, like several things happened. Like the FBI wrote them a letter saying, like, we don't like this condoning uh, violence against the, the servicemen and police and the rest of it. And they, and they obviously got, it got published in the newspaper. And he said this thing just skyrocketed us, like everyone was like. And then the other one that was really funny was there was this, I think it was one of the uh, a former a politician or former first lady <clears throat> was really upset about all the swearing in their rap songs. <laughs> and the very short version is they then, you know, the parental advisory explicit lyrics stickers you get on CDs and vinyl back then. They were the first ever band. That was their compromise. Like they were trying to get these their music ah. taken off the thing. And they said that what happened was they then put these stickers on. That was the compromise. You have to put these stickers on so parents know. And he said, as soon as they did that, sales skyrocketed like a beacon it's like i want to buy that uh, he said it had exactly the opposite impact that they wanted because everyone's like oh if it hasn't got swear words in it i'm not listening to it yeah and he said he got to the point where there's other bands who had no cuss words in their in their music were putting it on just to try and get sales there's quite is it i mean i don't know i, I want to listen to it now i want to listen to it you should do it's a good it's a good episode because i i didn't really it was one of those ones where I kind of, I thought, oh, I might be interested. But yeah, I'm really glad I listened. Amazing. To I will. I will. Um, tell me something you struggle with or find tough. Focusing. Do you? Yeah, big time. I mean, like with a book, it, it's there's a direct outcome. So I, that... I was just going <laughs> to say, I find that hard to believe for someone who's written a book in Books and podcasting, days. there's a direct outcome. But with other things like uh, just general work, it's like, what do I do with my life? Honestly, every day I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Who do I want to be? I'm constantly asking myself philosophical questions. So I actually like having projects like books or podcasts. Because I can like at least direct my energy in a certain way. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, big time. Okay. How do you combat it? <clears throat> by picking, by doing projects that <laughs> that are going to test me. Like, yeah, writing a book in 50, in, you know, in, in six months and um, uh just being is okay. It, is that having a goal, a goal being goal oriented. Yeah, but I also think being okay because I, I I heard a really great definition about clarity. Because I think where I get stuck is I think oh, what's the five year thing? But it's actually you no, know, what's the next project? And so I've yeah. kind of just simplified it for myself, and that's how I navigate it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, if you could shadow one, I was going to say podcaster, but I will throw author into it, the mix as well. If you could shadow one podcaster or author for the day who would it be and why um i think tim ferris would you yeah 
I know that's kind yeah, of token, I, I, but. I, 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 well, I feel like Tim Ferriss is in the Pat Flynn category, isn't he? He's been, I, I, I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to Google it, but I'm pretty sure they've been putting out content around the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I find him really thoughtful. I really like his questions. So I'd actually just love to be just around him and hearing what he talks about. Plus he does like, he's like a human guinea pig. So he'd be doing something crazy, whether yeah. it's, yeah. So I think that'd be fun. I talked about this in the previous episode. Did you ever listen to his episode where he talked about the lessons he'd learned from doing his podcast no i'm gonna write that down as a i'll share that with you there's two there's two actually he did one recently with colin and samir where he talks about where he talked about it and then he did one on his own podcast with a guy whose name is chris hutchins ins and it's something like lessons learned from 700 million downloads or something like that cool thank you but he goes he goes really into nitty-gritty about everything he does it's mm. good if you're into podcasting or you're thinking about starting one it's a really good listen sweet um okay tim ferris good answer if someone came up to you and again i'll throw this podcast or writing or both if someone come up to you and said leanne i really want to write a book or i want to start a podcast what would you tell them let's do it let's get it done now we can get it done in 90 minutes let's map it out and go do you know, it's funny. I, I asked that question and I've, I invariably get a very similar answer. And I don't know if that's because the people, like some sort of confirmation bias of the people are getting on this podcast. I think, that's, that, that's yeah, I, this is, I think people just overthink. And it's like, oh, it's like nothing matters. Let's just get, do you want to do it? Let's get it done. And it's not that hard. Like once we've, like I've done it now, I don't, I, I've, it's easy for me to re-engineer it for someone else. So how, how long, how long had you been thinking about writing a book before you oh, wrote forever, book? like four or five years. I was so angry, honestly, on, that's why I did it on the 1st of January. Cause on the 31st of December, I was reflecting on the year and going, I'm so pissed off. I'm not an author yet. I'm so angry. And that's what propelled me to do it. It was the pain. Oh, really? It was the pain of that. Yeah. I was so, yeah, honestly, I was fueled by that. by rage. So what, was, what would you have said if I'd have asked you that question in December last year? Um, what would I have said to that person if they? Yeah. <laughs> which is, I, I suspect you might have said the same thing, which is kind of why I'm asking. Yeah, I think we probably would have just like shaken each other and gone, "Let's just do this together and figure it out together." Like, let's do this now. It would, would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Final question for you. If we speak again in twelve months' time, and you say, "Chris, you know what's been a really successful year for me," what would have happened? Uh, I would say it would be related to the book. Um, the book took me somewhere really exciting. Yeah. That could be metaphorically. It could be like literally just took me to Fiji or something like that. Yeah. That, I think that would be it. Now that I've released it, it's like, I'm really curious around like, who's going to find it, where will yeah. it go? It'll carry its own sort of energy. And I'm curious to, you know, where that leads. So that could be what, like people will come in, getting you to come and talk about yeah. workshops or it could be running workshops or yeah that's right yeah it's speaking okay any any thoughts about doing a ted talk on the on the topic uh i think my ted talk would be uh based around something else and i again i kind of resist ted maybe it just seems like everyone's doing a ted talk so ted talks the new podcasts aren't they yeah <laughs> I, yeah it might be nice but that's not a, a like a pressing thing Okay, fair yeah. enough. Okay, I will link to everything in the show notes, the book, um, the podcast, 
I'll have to listen back everything else we talked about. If people want to come and say hi to you in the meantime, where should I send them? Yeah, sure. I mean, LinkedIn, please connect with me. Don't click the follow button, click the connect button. Okay. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm on, yeah, my website's leannehughes.com. Book the two-hour workshop blueprint, Instagram, Twitter at Leanne Hughes as well. Okay. I will link to everything below. Uh, Leanne, thank you so much for joining me. What time is it in? in uh, 7.30. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not quite as late as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But thank you. Um, like I said, it is all I want from this podcast is for people to have things to take away, to learn, to be inspired by it. And you've got my brain buzzing <laughs> with ideas more than more than most. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, you're so welcome. And hit me up anytime if you've got questions about books and I'll be like, I'll be, sh- I'll be like, yeah, metaphorically like shaking you through the screen going, come on, let's get it done. <laughs> you might regret that, but yes. Okay. Thank awesome. You. Thanks, Chris. That was Tinku interview with Leanne Hughes. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. Leanne was a great guest, wasn't she? Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Tinku interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. I am off to go and think about what book I can write. Make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to this and the next 10Q interview episode will be in your feed and live very, very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye.